Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the spymaster director of our mystery shopping report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Earl Stewart Live. You just listened to my recorded introduction. And uh, Nancy Stewart is not here, by the way. I said she was here. She's still out with a, a cast on her foot. And uh, she'll be having that uh, taken off, we hope, Monday, and hopefully be back on the show soon. But we do have Rick Kearney and Sue Stewart. Got Jonathan over there, controls, and yours truly. Uh, I hope you uh, have listened to us before. If you haven't, I think you'll really be excited about the show. It is unique, truly. And you might be happy to hear about something besides the coronavirus. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how you can buy a car or lease a car, maintain your car, repair your car without, without being, catching the coronavirus. Yeah, without cr- catching the coronavirus. <laughs> but, uh, and I do have, I have, I'm not unaware of it. I have a bottle of Purell right here uh, for all the folks in the, in the uh, studio. But we're going to be talking about something to ease your mind, to take, your, take the worry out of buying a car. I always, I don't always, but I, should always remind folks that the reason for this show is a terrible image that car dealers have nationwide, certainly, maybe worldwide. Uh, we're not trusted. I say we because in full transparency, I am a car dealer, been for over 50 years. Uh, this is not an infomercial. Uh, this is a consumer advocacy show. So car dealers have just ranked at the bottom of the Gallup annual poll on honesty and ethics professions. That's an actual... Um, survey that they've been doing since 1975. Every year they do the survey of the businesses that have the best honesty, transparency, and integrity, and those that have the worst. Car dealers, it's a dead last. Nurses, if you're interested, are at the top, you know, along with uh, uh, policemen and firemen, probably, and teachers, uh, the government, uh, the lobbyists, the uh, congressmen, and the car dealers, and probably attorneys. Or at, at the bottom, but the car dealers beat everybody out. I mean, usually they're dead last. In a really good year, they'll be next to last or third from last. That's why we're here, because we know you're not happy when you have to go out and buy a used car or a new car. You're not even happy when you have to go out and have your car repaired or maintained. There's something about the industry uh, contamination. I have a theory on that. I'll talk about it some some. Um, Saturday morning, but the fact is, you know, you'd rather have a root canal probably than buy a car. Mm-hmm. You listen to the show, and you'll find out there is a way to avoid this. Uh, we love to hear from you. That's a key. You know, it's a live talk show, very exciting live radio talk. You can call and say just about anything you want. I mean, we've had some really tough calls. We don't blank anybody out. Uh, we even have an anonymous feedback line. If you have something and you want to remain totally anonymous, you can go to a web link. It's called youranonymousfeedback.com. 
Y-O-U-R, anonymous, A-O-N-N-Y-M-O-U-S, feedback.com. You're anonymousfeedback.com, and you can say anything you want. We won't know who you are. And we already have a few stacked up in the pipeline, and Stu will be reading those lately. Or you can text us. We love the text number, and a lot of people prefer it. Area code 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. Why do I say we kind of prefer the text or people prefer it? Well, first of all, live radio can be scary, so you don't want to be live on the phone, some people. And the text things, if you do a text, you're almost assured to have it answered. Maybe not right away, but Stu keeps track of those. And the YouTubes, by the way, Rick Kearney, keeps track of the YouTube, so you can do the same thing on YouTube or Facebook. You post your comments, or you can do them by text, and we get to them, almost all of them, usually all of them, before the show's over. It's a two-hour show, and so we have time to get to it, and we try especially hard to get to it. Uh, Nancy Stewart not being here, but she's listening, and she's watching on Facebook, and she's home with her leg up in the air, and she has to keep her leg elevated. And uh, she's going to be texting and maybe calling. Uh, she is a advocate for female callers. And Nancy Stewart has done a remarkable, remarkable job of raising the number of callers we have and texters and Facebook uh, from the female audience. Can you believe when we started doing this 17 years ago, we hardly ever got a female caller. So what Nancy instigated was the, the cash reward for the first two new female callers. $50 cash. I mean, no conditions, no strings. If you're female and you haven't called the show before and you call us at 877-960-9960, I'll give you gals a minute to get the pencil out and the paper because if you haven't called the show, automatic ka-ching, 50 bucks. First two new female callers. 877-960-9960. And we got Rick over here watching the... Uh, calls to come in. We try to prioritize the audio calls, the old-fashioned telephone, because you don't want to wait for a long time. Plus, at the switchboard, I think we've only got three or four lines, and we don't want you calling and getting a busy signal. So we'll prioritize the audio calls. 877-960-9960 and 50 bucks for the first two female callers. And by the way, Mark Ryan says, all our best to Nancy as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, she's doing fine. I'm playing Nurse Earl, and I'm uh, getting her coffee and, and all the stuff that you have to do when someone can't get around. And uh, I'm doing a pretty good job. Hey, you get to be at the top of that list you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Um, we'd like to have some, you, know, you want to get started on some tech, Stu, or yeah. you want to go around? Well, let, me, let me say one thing I, before we go to Stu. Stu is the, we call him the, the uh, spy master. What do we call you? Um, the handler. The handler. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't call me Stu anything. is in charge of the Mystery Shopping Report, and I, I got to talk about that because if there's one thing that sets us apart from any other radio show, any other TV show for that matter, with a possible exception of when Mike Wallace was really doing this thing on 60 Minutes, we send in a secret undercover agent every week to some car dealership in South Florida. And we go in and we pretend to buy or lease a car, uh, and we talk 
We, we tell it like it is. We name names. We name the dealership. We name the salespeople. We name the sales managers. And we tell you exactly what happened. And we've been doing this for 17 years. Every week, we've done hundreds of these. And you can access these mystery shopping reports. Just go by going to our blog, earloncars.com. That's right. EarlOnCars.com, and we archive all these mystery shopping reports. So, uh, Stu, tell us a little bit about the shoppers. Well, we have a uh, very deep bench of qualified mystery shoppers uh, of all of all walks of life. We have women, men, young, old. We do our best to try to like come across as a real customer when we get there. Yeah. So uh, we usually come up with a uh, a cover story. It sounds a little bit silly. You'd think you can go in there and just kind of wing it, but it's part of the fun, actually, is preparing and the shopper. And it works. We hardly oh, yeah. ever get caught. No, no. We've, we've been caught, like, in 17 years, maybe three times, I'm thinking. Yeah. And mainly, it was Agent X. And the reason for that was we start running out of dealerships to shop, and so we might send them back. We say, well, it's been about a year and a half. They won't, re- they won't remember you. And most of the time, they don't. Yeah. Um, but it's happened before. Let me interrupt you because we have a caller. Rick just waved at me. We have Betty. Ah, female Betty. Good morning morning are you a first-time caller no i'm not oh. i have a question for rick okay okay the 2020 corolla maintenance log book says that it's first 5,000 miles to add toyota efi tank additives what is that and why do you have to add that you don't uh, we actually don't even worry about that. It's one of the f- very, very few areas where I kind of say, uh, Toyota, you're, you're, you're maybe being a little too pretentious here, a little too cautious. They actually sell a, what I call a mechanic in a can. It's stuff that you pour into the fuel tank, and it's actually supposed to try to reduce moisture or other contaminants and keep the engine burning a little cleaner but it's one of the things that although toyota does say yeah you should do this it's more for places that might have bad gas at times south florida we don't seem to have any issues with it and i can tell you for a fact i have never put any sort of additive like that in any of my cars and i've had four toyotas that between the four of them, have run over, I'll say, pretty close to a million miles between how much the four that, of them. How much does that cost? Is it manufactured by Toyota? Yeah, it's it's a it's a Toyota product, and it's like twenty five dollars for the can, I think. And what and what do dealers typically charge to uh, put it in? Nothing. Twenty five. They shouldn't for charge can. anything. Yeah. Just well, wait, wait, it's wait, open. What your Corolla? It, she said a twenty twenty, and that's actually required yeah. in the maintenance guide. It's, I believe, at the 30,000-mile maintenance. I've never heard of that. There's, there's a EFI additive that they recommend, but it's not something that we even, we don't even bother with it. We ignore it. Hmm. Well, that's, that's interesting, okay. that's Betty. About the Betty, that's a, great, that's, a, that's a great call. Uh, no Stu idea. didn't know about it. I didn't know about yeah. it. Fortunately, Rick did. But thank you very much for coming up with that. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Toyota would recommend that. And uh, yeah. Rick is pretty knowledgeable. And if he says you don't need it, you don't need it. That sounds like and at twenty five bucks a can, uh, you know why? Why have to shell out twenty five? And they, they recommend it about once a year or every thirty thousand miles. Wow. Once every two years. It sounds like something that came out of the dealer council. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's snake oil. Yeah. 
Well, thank you, Betty, very much for that. And uh, you uh, certainly educated us. Please call again. Thank you very much. 877-960-9960 is the old-fashioned telephone, 877-960-9960. And we've had one caller so far. And remember, Betty was a previous caller. But if you haven't called the show and you're female, $50. Ka-ching. And that's the Nancy Stewart special. Nancy's home <laughs> right now. Um, betting that we have with, a caller. With, with her, with her cash soon. register. Exactly. And the text number is 772 772- Four nine seven six five three zero. How are we doing on text? Uh, we got some that came in while we were away. Okay. We'll start with the anonymous feedback. Uh, this comes from youranonymousfeedback.com. All of them are, of course, anonymous, encrypted, impossible to know the identity of the sender. Mm-hmm. Um, hello there. I like watching your Saturday broadcast on YouTube. I wonder why the vehicle shown on the highway can sometimes be seen through Mr. Shirt, Mr. Stewart's body on oh. some of the videos. Seems like a mystery. I mean, there's like cars going by. Sometimes you have a partially transparent effect. You're slightly less opaque than you normally are. Maybe I'm like the invisible man. I can. You're going. You're totally. You're, you're, yeah. fading, you're fading off to the background. I've always wanted to be invisible. I well, guess I, everybody I, has wanted to be invisible. I thought I, it was cool looking. I yeah. can actually get that one for you. It's because your shirt is actually, the color tone of it, is very similar to the green wall behind you. Uh, and the uh, Chromacast program allows it to uh, stick through. I don't yeah. know about that. I've played with that before. Like, you can adjust this the sound, settings. This sounds like a bagel thing. Is I it? think we better move along here. Hey, we got two hours to fill. Yeah, but we're going to work on <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. Thank you very much for the observation. And we have a caller, <laughs> which is far more important. We have John in Palm City. Good morning to everyone. Hey, John. I have a question to ask you. Yeah. Um, I know of a case. People have, the car stays here all summer. There's snowbirds from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it stays outside, and it stays in the sun. <clears throat> and there's hardly any miles on the tires, so there's nowhere to speak of. But the tires are actually, I looked at them. They're like dry rot, and it's probably from the sun. You know, sitting, you know, the north and the south side. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the dealer that they got it, they didn't say me who from, I don't even know it's from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They have the deal with tires of life. So I told them, you know, supposedly the car hasn't been checked regularly, which is a problem. But on tires of life, is it only on threadwear that the dealer will guarantee it? Or would it guarantee it also if it's dry rot in the tire and it's, the tire is no good? John, that's a new one. Uh, we, we, we haven't had anyone raise that issue. Um, the first thing when you started telling me about it was how old were the tires when they bought the car? Was it, This was a new car that was bought? It was a new car, and then they put one set of tires on. It's a 2010, uh-huh. and I don't know who the dealer was. So yeah. I'm not sure if it's because uh, they're in the Fort Pierce area. They should. So I, I mean, they was there or in North Carolina, but they are dried. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. We've, we have done that. We've, we've definitely addressed that. It's uh, most of the programs, because the dealers didn't, didn't invent the Tires for Life program. It was something that the manufacturers kind of, and a few crazy dealers have stuck with it. Um, but it is on tread death, but we do run into that because the cars will, Rick can, can address this, but they can get in pretty bad shape without even wearing. I can tell you okay. for a fact in our dealership, we, and I know you don't like having this commercial for the dealership, but we have replaced tires 
that are dry rotted for safety concerns under tires for life, yeah. not charged to the customer and covered it under tires for life. I know because I'm the guy that got my hands dirty doing it. Yeah, it's uh, technically they're not covered, but uh, as Rick says, we did it because we thought it was the right thing to do. Safety Um, issue. The the thought occurred to me that we probably should have checked with the tire manufacturer. If someone bought a car new and it was uh, less than six years old and it had dry rot, uh, I think it should be a warranty claim against the tire manufacturer. If 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 they kept the car long enough. Um, to where you would have normal dry rot, and that's a that's a different issue. As far as keeping them outside, I got to believe that's probably got something to do with it. A garage car probably is not going to have a tire rot as quickly as one that was kept inside. Well, it, and I, also along the ocean, but yeah, a yeah. little research that I did, you know, all tires at DOT uh, have to be specifications. But when I go in like a Sam's Club or something, there's certain tires that's brand new. When you walk out the door, they seem to have a, a bigger odor to them hmm. than other tires. I'd notice. And, and from what somebody told me, and I, by the way, this guy's car, I never even heard of the brand of tires they are. Mm-hmm. But several, you know, many company, countries make the tires. And somebody told me that some countries, the amount of petroleum that's used in the manufacturer and the tires, it's either a less or a more content in mm-hmm. it now maybe that could have something to do with it too because that's not regulated by dot mm-hmm. as earl pointed out in this show the big reason with the difference in price of tires is the tread wear and probably the um, uh you know ratings of a b and c mm-hmm. on the heat rage but is it possible that some countries would be manufacturing tires with less of a uh, um oil um, content in them Sure, possible, John. I don't know. Uh, the the safety uh, measure everybody should take is check consumer reports. They have a, a number of um, thorough uh, issues about tires, uh, uh, safety, uh, uh, cost, uh, value. Uh, they drive the car with the tires on it. I mean, they're really, really uh, detailed. They tell you about all weather tires, winter tires, summer tires, high speed. I mean, they cover it in depth. Just go to Consumer Reports and take a recommended tire, and you're not going to have those kind of problems. Okay. Well, the second question for Earl or Rick, and I don't want to bring up the virus, but do you see any shortages so far in automobile replacement parts? We haven't seen them in automobile, uh, but we certainly feel the effect. I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing a psychological effect on on each other. Yeah. I brought a uh, bottle of Purell. We've we run into a shortage of the, Purell. Right, yeah. and we try to order a bunch for the dealership. It's uh, it's hard it's hard to get. And we're having to have a conversation with our employees and our customers and let people know that we're taking all the precautions. Uh, but as far as Toyota goes and manufacturing and availability of auto parts, we've seen nothing yet. Right. Actually, a lot of the manufacturers are really based in uh, the USA. Uh, we import very few uh, parts from China, and uh, or for that matter, even Japan, Japanese car. Um, we have uh, Toyota and a lot of the manufacturers have a huge presence in the United States now. So I think automobile availability would be one of the least to be affected, or if affected, will be one of the last. Yeah, I think the Korean manufacturers, Hyundai, um, they've run into some issues. I think yeah. they actually shut down production because a worker. Yeah, Kia and Hyundai are shut down yeah. in Korea, exactly. 
So uh, that's well, the answer to that one, People check their tires, not only for tread wear, but uh, have your mechanic or somebody that's an expert look at them for dry rot mm-hmm. because it's a danger to take a tire, on, a, on especially on any road, and have a danger of a dry tire and get a blowout. You're exactly right, John. Thanks very much for that heads up. Well, best to Nancy. I hope she recuperates real fast. Thank you, John. Have a great weekend. We appreciate it. I'll tell her Thank that you. she asked about her. Thank you. Okay, we've got another caller. Yeah, we're going from John in Palm City to John in West Palm Beach. The Johns are calling. Good yeah. morning, John. Yeah, John from West. Good morning, John from West Palm Beach. Uh, this whole tire thing. If you go back to uh, you, you were talking about fifty minutes, but when Ford, uh, the Explorers, uh, when they got in trouble, they had the tire blow out. The, people the got Firestones. In, uh, yeah. Yeah. The first. Well, what happens is, you know, you may be buying brand new tires, but they found out that you're buying brand new tires that may be two or three years old, right. and now they have the, the date of manufacturing stamped into the tires. So you can find out, and I don't know, uh, you got to look it up on the Internet. You Google it, right? Hmm. And uh, they, they sometimes tires sit in the warehouse. Like he mentioned Costco and Sam, and they could sit there for a while. Yep. Uh, same thing with some of the smaller dealerships. So the tires, brand-new tires to be putting on, uh, could already have the start of mm-hmm. dry rot You're or exactly tire right. rot. Yeah. John, did you know that the manufacturers design a specific tire? When you buy a fire when you buy a Ford with a Firestone tire on it, or buy any new car, the manufacturer, yep. Ford otherwise, gave the specs to Firestone to build that tire for that particular right. Uh, and you can't buy those tires, at least firsthand. You could probably buy them secondhand. But, uh, you know, Firestone wasn't totally responsible for that problem. Uh, Ford bore right. some responsibility. Yeah. Well, with today's technology, the, the tires and, and the tuned suspensions that a lot of the cars have and the, the onboard computer, they got to take all that into account. Uh, you know, so, like, switching brands, I don't know how the computer picks up whether it's got continental or Nito or uh yokohama or, but anyways the uh so like i said you know especially if you're switching from one brand of tire to another to save money you know you may be going to a cheaper tire which some people do and i do and that it just the tire may have been sitting for a while and already has dry yeah. rot or it's on its way to becoming dry rot there's some pretty good tires out there john that don't have uh, everyday names. Michelin has got a great name, but there's some tires out there yep. better than Michelin, or at least some models of Michelin that you wouldn't recognize. So I keep going back yep. to consumer reports on that. Yeah. Well, John, thank okay. you very much for the call. I really appreciate uh, it. You're welcome. Okay, we've got another caller. I wonder if his name is John, too. Nope. This time we got Alex in West Palm Beach. Oh, we, uh, Alex, how you doing? Thanks for the call. Hey, good morning. Uh, I like your show. Thank you. A uh, couple a couple weeks ago, you mentioned uh, I don't know if I'm mistaken or not, but you said do not buy a Jeep. <laughs> well, I say that, I say that a lot, but I it's kind of tongue in cheek because uh, I know people are buying Jeeps hand over fist. They love Jeeps, one of the most popular models. And uh, my point is, I'm kind of a practical guy. I'm a analytical guy, and when I see a vehicle that Consumer Reports pans. Uh, in every category, from safety to reliability uh, to uh, maintenance cost, uh, so on and so forth. I just don't know why. Well, I do know why. 
people buy it because they love it. It's a yeah. sexy vehicle. The, the style is great. I'm tempted myself, from a look standpoint, to buy a Jeep, but it's just not a reliable vehicle. Oh, okay. Because I bought a... I used to have a, a Ford um, Escape, and I had it for years. Mm -hmm. and it lasted sure. Till, you sure. Know, well, 300,000 miles. But then it died, so <clears> I had to buy a car, and I went to the... Um, Jeep. I bought a Renegade. Mm -hmm. I've had it for uh, like three years. I haven't had a problem. Well, when I say uh, Consumer Reports pans a vehicle, they're talking about the percentage of vehicles that fail. So you could have a thousand Jeeps manufactured, and if 25 percent right. of them had a lot of problems, uh, that's not good. No. Because your odds are one in four, right. but you might have got a one of the seventy-five percent that you don't have a problem with. So it's a numbers game. You're playing the odds, yeah. and even the worst car manufactured will have a, a really good car built, and someone has no problems with it. And the best car manufactured is going to have a lemon. You know, we sell Toyotas. My dealership is a Toyota dealership, and. Consumer Reports gives them a very high rating, but let me tell you, we have some Toyotas with real problems. Hey, Alex, this is Stu. This is really interesting. On Consumer Reports for the new the Jeep Wranglers, um, it has one of the highest predicted owner satisfaction scores. People love it, but the lowest predicted reliability and lowest road test scores. <laughs> so it means people are overlooking. It's a fun car to drive, and it looks great, and it makes a statement about yourself. Yeah. I mean, if you like going to the beach and driving around with a German Shepherd and the surfboard oh, yeah. on the roof, you're the coolest guy in town, so you're going to love the car. So but like important. you said, yeah, well, reliability is a relative term. So like you said, you might have one and, and never have an issue with it for the entire time you own it, but it's a little bit more likely than other vehicles to, to give you problems. Now, let, let me tell you a problem that I had though when I bought it. It was uh, late in the afternoon, and the sale went on to at night. And what the guy showed me was like uh, the... The uh, gate in the back, when you open it, it lifts like a cover so that you don't see what's in behind there. Yeah, like a tenant. You know cover. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Cargo cover. So that's what they, they, he showed me with a cover. So when I got home, uh, my model didn't have that cover. Huh. So they gave me another car that wasn't the one that I wanted. Oh, but all right. So then when I went back a couple of days later, I said, listen, uh, you know, this happened. I say, I want to talk to the salesman. He says, well, he's not working with us anymore. And we're like, what? You know? And then I explained the thing. He says, well, the only thing we can do is we can sell you the cover, you know? But then it has to be, like, retrofit because uh, mm -hmm. it has, like, two strings coming from the gate that lifts up that cover. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, that's just irresponsible, and it's uh, one of the reasons car dealers don't have the best name in town is because of uh, things like that. You should have bought what they showed you, and uh, you should have paid for what uh, they showed you. It didn't happen, and then they wouldn't make it right. They should have taken care of that at their cost because you thought you were buying it. Yeah, but I wouldn't go in there and talk to the sales manager or any other salespeople. See if you, if you can get in touch with the general manager or maybe even the owner. I just kind of escalate it because the salesperson, the sales manager, well, the salesperson is not even there, and they're just gonna they're gonna blow you off and try and get you to spend some extra money. That's not an expensive piece of accessory, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it costs like two hundred and ninety-five dollars. Yeah. They should get yeah. That's that's probably the list price. They could probably you know, cost the dealer one hundred and fifty. If that, yeah. Uh, yeah, they should give it yeah. to you. Well, well Alex, thanks very much for sharing that with us. Go back or no? Thank you. You should definitely go back.
Okay. 877-960-9960. That's our regular telephone number. And uh, 772-497-6530. And we do have a call. Well, we actually YouTube one here. Uh, oh, YouTube. Mike and wife asking, why do dealers continue to double charge on the freight and dealer prep and still get away with it? You know, that's one of the most egregious uh, violations by dealers. A dealer fee is actually legal if you go through the uh, disclosure, which is uh, kind of a, a silly disclosure that the Florida legislature and other legislatures let dealers get away with it. But freight is a federal ruling. The, it is a federal law that the manufacturer add the freight to the cost of the car and to the sticker price. So the freight is charged to the dealer in the invoice and it's added to the invoice and the MSRP. So when you buy the car, you automatically, by definition, pay the freight. So when the dealer charges you freight again, they are charging you twice. Dip, dip. I'm not an attorney and I'm gonna say this anyway. I think it's a federal violation when you mess with a federal mandate and trick a customer by making him think they're paying a federally mandated cost, uh, that's a pretty serious crime. Mm -hmm. And I do know that some dealers do it. Um, a lot of them don't do it, but we've seen it in our mystery shopping reports. Hmm. So, uh, and that same thing for the dealer prep? Dealer prep? You're exactly right. And that's a case where the state law in the state of Florida says that uh, this is part of the dealer fee, is the dealer prep. And so they're, in a, a way, they are contradicting the facts by the manufacturers reimburse the dealers for the dealer prep. When you get a new car, all the new cars, all the manufacturers, they reimburse the dealer. Uh, in fact, it's, it's pretty uh, lucrative reimbursement. It is. Uh, the manufacturer, the dealer makes a nice profit. The technician that does the work makes a nice a little warranty payment reward. For the dealer. Car dealers love the reimbursement by the manufacturers for the dealer prep. And then the state of Florida says that's the reason they have a dealer fee. So the dealers in the state of Florida are double-dipping on the um, rebate that we get from the manufacturers. Yeah, now going back on the uh, manufacturer's destination charge, I'd like to go out on a limb to say, well, why don't they get rid of that? I mean, it adds so much more confusion and, and, and just muddies the waters further. Just a quick anecdote, we sold a, a, a car to somebody who was referred by a former competitor of ours, uh, used to run mm -hmm. Ed Morris Del Rey Toyota. And, uh, Ronnie Fontiero. Yeah, and he's a great guy, and um, he's uh, he's no longer a, a practice. He's no longer a competitor, and he's he's bringing us uh, uh, customers, which is really nice. But uh, we gave him a price. Uh, the guy went out to shop it because we give him an out the door price, and uh, went spoke to another dealer who pointed out the invoice and showed him the manufacturer's destination charge, which is like you know eleven hundred whatever it was, mm -hmm. and. He tried to confuse the customer and say that it was a uh, dealer fee, and his dealer fee was a couple hundred dollars less than our dealer fee. Mm -hmm. But he was showing him this other this fee came from the manufacturer. We talked it out, and he understood, and, and he ended up buying the car from us. But it's just more confusion, one more thing. To but worry I believe about. that's I believe that's federally mandated. I think they have to have a destination. Uh, yeah, ah. I believe. See what it, what it used to be was uh, years ago. Um, Every uh, dealer had a different, based on your geographic location, had a different uh, freight charge. And uh, if you lived in, if you were a dealer in Detroit, 
you probably didn't have any freight charge. Yeah. And if you were in you know, Hawaii, right. you would have a huge freight charge. And it, changed, it varied all over. So then somebody complained, and they standardized. So all manufacturers have to have the same freight charge no matter where you sell the car. And I guess the way to verify that was by putting it on the Monroni label, which confuses the customer. Gotcha. But I totally, totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, something that should be changed, but unfortunately, it's a federal law. I got something for Betty to follow up on. Uh, the, the caller who asked about the electronic fuel injection additive in her Corolla. Um, I looked up the 2020 Corolla required maintenance, and every 5,000 miles, it says to add the Toyota EFI tank additive. Um, but only if you live in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, or Saipan. No. For real. <laughs> yeah. You have to have the M20A-FKS engine and live in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, or Saipan. So, no, you don't have to put the EFI um, additive. <laughs> so if a dealer is telling you that, you open up your maintenance guide and point yeah. out to uh, the uh, that state, that territory in that Saipan is that a country by itself or is yeah, that why, why would they put that in all the, the owner's manuals when there's only three places I and I guarantee you Betty was fooled I was fooled yeah. Rick was fooled I was fooled and uh, and a lot of people get fooled and they're just selling a whole bunch of that EFI at $25 a can yeah, it's it's. I guarantee one. you. Yeah. I mean, it's in big print. I mean, it's it, it is. It's, yeah. it's hard to miss. But if you read it, but if you're not looking at it, and a service advisor tells you you got to put this in there and shows you flashes it at you, you might you, yeah. might, you might go for it. Good find, Stu. Good find. Wow. Okay. That that, that <laughs> one's awesome. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. And remember, we still have two female caller $50 bills to mail out. If you haven't called the show before and you're female and you call us at 877-960-9960, 877-960-9960, 50 bucks, no strings attached. Ka-ching. You know That's how, a Nancy Stewart bonus. Do you know how much that sh shook my confidence there? I mean, I just, hearing, yeah. it, I, I, there's always a little bit of fear on the show. The EFI thing, yeah. Well, someone comes in going to call with something that you don't know, and yeah. like, I can't believe I didn't realize it was part of the, <laughs> the maintenance for a Corolla. Yeah. I mean, it's how obscure. <laughs> yeah. Saipan. Saipan. By the way, Saipan, I mean, Saipan? is the largest island, island of yeah. the northern Mariana Islands, so it's basically over, like, in the Philippines. But what about Guam. Guam's yeah, okay. why not Guam? Yeah, I, I mean, what is a, what what is Saipan? <laughs> What's the difference between Saipan and Guam? They're they're both pretty much show. Uh, hey, anybody out there from Toyota Manufacturing Land? Any of you big shots out there? And uh, where's the headquarters now? Used to be Torrance, is in oh, no, it's Indiana. In, it's in uh, Texas. Texas. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, why, why do you do that? You Toyota guys. Uh, <laughs> somebody from Toyota, an executive. Somebody call me. Maybe there's Akio a, Toyota. Maybe you're listening. Uh, call us from Japan. It could come out of the dealer council. Tell counselor. us why. No, the Saipan dealer council. We, yeah. we need more money on that maintenance, guys. Give us something yeah. to charge, charge How about customers. some text? Let's go to the text. All right, well, let's start with some, uh, well, I still got some uh, some your anonymous feedback to get okay. through. Uh, the power of no wielded wisely. No is an instrument of integrity and a shield against exploitation. It often takes courage to say it's hard to receive, but setting limits sets us free. And this is a book by Judith Sills, Ph.D., published in 2013. Where can this word be used in a powerful way to the full extent as described by Judith Sills? At the dealership. Fabric protection, no. Paint protection, no. Window etching, no. Gap insurance, no. Well, uh, maybe not. Gap insurance can be good. Uh, source yourself at an insurance company. Rear seat entertainment, no. Consider tablets for the kids that are more interactive and mobile to be used in other cars. Roof rack, no. No. 
uh, <laughs> paint and fabric protection, no. Key fob and insurance, no. Nitrogen filled tires, no. Amen to that. Dealership prepaid maintenance plans, no. ADM, additional dealer markup, no. Advertising fee, no. Dock fee, no. It goes on and on and on. Mm. And this is from Earl's much younger brother from another mother. <laughs> I don't know who that is. And I, I think the spirit of the of this texture is they're right on the money. Anything that's pushed upon you, yeah. say no. No, that's really a, a great uh, a great anonymous feedback, and it covers a wide spectrum. And the sad thing is virtually everything in that uh, is actually sold yeah. actively by car dealers. I think we have yeah. a real caller here, an yeah. audio caller. They're all real, but this one's on the phone. <laughs> we have Howard in Jupiter. Hello, Howard. Howard. Hello. Hey, Howard. Nice uh, talking to you. Uh, uh, I have a, uh, a comment to make about uh, thr- a throttle body uh, cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, many years ago, I was told by a mechanic to buy uh, a product called Tecron. And, and it comes in a plastic bottle. And uh, put it in uh, like every 5,000 miles. You have to run your car, the uh, gasoline down to uh, uh, an eighth of a tank, and you put. We got to put it, uh, put it into the gas tank. The Tecron, it's uh, like it looks like a, a big tube, and then it's uh, uh, a body, plastic body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put the fluid into the uh, gas tank, and uh, you got you got to put in at least sixteen g- gallons of uh, gasoline. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been using this product for many years, and never had any problem. Uh, with the throttle body, and, uh, um, and I, I think this thing helps. However, uh, I was told that gasoline nowadays, uh, you don't have to put this, uh, because gasoline uh, many, many years ago uh, it wasn't as good as it is today. So I don't know how true that is. Maybe Rick could explain that to me. I'm sure he can. Now, gasolines nowadays have all the cleaners in them that you need, and... They, the refinement and evolution of gasoline has been right up there along with the cars. Fuel is refined to the point now. Just put it in the tank. You don't need any special cleaners in there. You'll be just fine. It's, it's okay, stink when oil. Do you, when do you perform a throttle body service? Now, that's a little different story. Throttle body service is actually cleaning the big plate that controls how much air goes into the engine. And there will always be some little bits of carbon buildup on there. We recommend about every two years, every 30,000 miles. And basically, it's pull the air hose loose. We clean that plate up really well, put it back together. And then we actually have to drive the car for a little while because the computer has learned to adjust itself to run with that dirty plate. So when we clean it up, the engine will actually idle at around 12 to 1500 RPMs. So we have to drive it a little bit to let the computer relearn and bring itself back down. But it makes your car run much better when we do that. I, I never really understood that. Now, I, now you're explaining it very well. Uh, um, so all cars need the service? Or you know, if the car is driven on highways a lot, I guess it would not need the service as much as a car that's, uh, you know, that's driving a couple of miles a day, let's say. Yeah, the owner's Tecron. manual would tell you, right? Pretty much. It, it, it's about this. Uh, high, highway driving does do a little better for cleaning out the cars, keeping things uh, burned and clean, by, I'll call it. But basically, it's a good service to perform about every two years. So. What's the owner's manual saying? 
Uh, the owner's manual actually doesn't address it because they don't consider it as like a maintenance item. It's more considered as, as a repair needed. for a rough idle. Okay, well, if you don't have a rough idle, then you don't, don't want to do it, it, right? No, if, if, if your car is not running rough, then you really wouldn't yeah. need to worry about yeah, it. I, I, try, I like keep, keeping things simple, and the simplest thing, it's not a, perfect to do this, but it's as close to perfect as anything. Always do exactly what the manufacturer's owner's manual says, and do not do what the dealer recommends unless it's the same thing as the owner's manual. The manufacturer's owner's manual are pretty damn accurate and stick with that and don't do anything else. Additives and uh, exotic things that you hear recommended to you are all BS. Unless you live in Saipan. Yes. Yeah. What about a brake fluid flush? No. Uh, should that be done? No. The only time okay. we recommend that is if the fluid has become contaminated somehow. Yeah, you, you, you know everything. All bets are Repair. off if you have a problem. If yeah. you have a, if you have a, a, a rough running condition, throttle body. If you have something else wrong, sometimes you need to replace the fluid. But ninety nine times out of a hundred, or nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, you don't have problems with these things. And the dealers are trying to sell you this because the cars today require so little maintenance the menu is so little maintenance the manufacturers most of them are given free maintenance for a couple of years or maybe even three years so the car dealers cannot make money unless they sell you something you don't need and they make up these exotic stories flushes and uh, all sorts of stuff and they say this is recommended they don't tell you who recommends it they're recommending it so look at your manufacturer's manual if it's not in there don't do it Okay, one other question, fast question. What's the difference between silicone brake fluid and uh, regular brake fluid brake? The chemical formulation, but truth be told, again, uh, you want to look at the DOT number because a lot of those silicone brake fluids are DOT5, not DOT3, and it is incompatible. If you put the wrong brake fluid in your car, you will need to flush it because you it can seriously damage your brake system. So make sure you only use DOT3 brake fluid, but double check to make sure what your car is required to have. I can't wait to use what that in conversation. DOT5, which cars uh, use that? Motorcycles. Oh, I got you. Okay. And there, there are a few high-performance cars. But motorcycles actually comes first to mind because I, I know that they use dot five. So use three. Okay, great information. Only Thank three you in very your car. much. Thank you. I appreciate the call very much. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. Text us at 772-497-6530. 772-497-6530. And we do have another caller. We have Aquaf in Hope Sound. Who? Aquaf. Uh, it's it's spelled A Q U F F. Oh. I, I hope I've pronounced it correctly. Hello. Aquaf. Hello. I have a question for Earl. Yes. Earl, my wife has a <laughs> 06 Solera convertible. Mm-hmm with the original 39,000 miles on it, Ooh. and it is absolutely spotless. Ooh. But her dashboard is cracking from one end to the other. Oh, boy. 
Uh-uh. And I've been up to the uh, Toyota dealer here in Stewart, and they said that it's too old. They won't do anything about it. But mm-hmm. they used to replace those. Yeah. Do they still do that? Uh, Rick, are we replacing? No. Are we getting any goodwill replacements on dashboards? Unfortunately, the Stop extended it. warranty that Toyota did on those has run out, and they have pretty much put their foot down and said no. They're not doing good well on them. We, we where always do, where did shot. you buy the car? Uh, where, where did you buy the Solera? Uh, in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. But we live down here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just a shame. I, You know, my heart bleeds for you. I mean, I honestly feel bad because they built, yeah, they, built a, yeah, they built a dashboard that, that uh, just didn't hold up under the heat and humidity. And uh, we actually, uh, my dealership, we were responsible for calling it to the attention. We got uh, the press on it because the, these uh, dashes were cracking on Camrys and Avalons and Solaris. We finally saw it as a safety issue. And it finally became a safety issue. Uh, let, let's do this. I, I, I can't offer you a lot of hope, but if you would contact uh, uh, me after the show, and I'll run it by my service manager, and we'll run it by Toyota. Take a shot at it. And we'll take a shot. We might be able to help you. At the very least, uh, we could have the repair done uh, at cost with not any markup. Yeah. And at most, we might get some help. I don't want to offer you too much hope. But by the way, the good news about that 06 Solera with 39,000 miles, that car is worth a lot of money. Those things are high demand, low supply, and everybody wants them. And a low mileage vehicle like that. Uh, if you ever want to sell it, uh, you can get a lot of money for it. Yeah, got to get the dash fixed. Would you call me after the show? I got a pencil. I'll give you my cell phone number. Yes, I do. Uh, my cell phone number is area code 561-358-1474. Yeah, and uh, give me a call. I'll... Uh, Probably get probably Monday before I can talk to my service manager, and we'll try to help you any way we can. That sounds great, but the car is absolutely spotless, oh, and man. everybody that sees us says, "When you want to get rid of that car, <laughs> I want that car." <laughs> yeah, well, don't sell it. Don't sell it too cheap. It's worth a lot of money. All right, thank you very much, Earl. Thanks for the call. Take care. Bye bye. And another next, call. <laughs> we do. We have Warren in Pompano Beach. Wow, Warren. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, I got two questions for you, actually, Stephen. First question is about leasing. Uh, I have two residents, I think I mentioned it at the show, one in Fort Lee, New Jersey, and one in Pompano Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at leasing this car maybe at the end of the year. I'm trying to have a Ford Taurus. I'm trying to get like another year out of it if I can. Mm-hmm. Is it better to look up north where I live in Fort Lee or down by you guys? Is, is, is it, or doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Uh, as to where you lease the vehicle, whether up north or down here? Uh, what, 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 yeah. what model uh, car are you buying or leasing? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm going to look around. It could be a variety of different things. It could be a Toyota, maybe a Camry or an Avalon, maybe a Lincoln, maybe a, uh, something else. I really don't know. I'm really you know, going to you know, take a look when it comes to that point. If you're going to lease a Toyota, um, be advised that the Toyotas that are sold in the southeast United States, uh, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, 
uh, are uh, go, go through a Southeast Toyota distributorship, Southeast Toyota LLC, that's an independent distributor. They buy their cars from the manufacturer Toyota, and they mark them up about $1,000 more than you would pay up north for the same car. So um, that's not to say you're going to buy it for less money, but the dealer's cost will be higher up north. Stu? Yeah, I'd recommend getting, I mean, since we have the Internet and it's relatively easy to get compare quotes, get quotes from both. Um, Earl's right. They, the Southeast Toyota dealers do buy, have to pay a little bit more, about a thousand more for their cars. Um, but it's a different region, and they have different incentives and a different lease program. Sure. So, and I'm, and we're only talking about Toyota. But if you're looking at another at a Ford or something like that, you know, get, get a quote because here's what I, the other factor is: you know, the registration cost. That's like, that's going to different be different between New Jersey and down here. So, uh, you know, you can sit in your living room and get the quotes, you know, with email or online. And uh, and compare them, compare both places. I, I, another question I have about the leasing is, if you have a certain number in mind, should you go into the dealer and say, "Look, I'm going to pay. This is what I want to pay: three hundred fifty dollars a month. I don't want to pay a penny more. I, less is fine. You know, we have to put money down. Like, is, is it different than buying a car? Should I say, "This is my number, and I'm not moving off this number"? Is no. that a good way to do it, or a bad no, way? No, don't do not do payment. Don't go in there with payment. You yeah. negotiate a price, even if you're leasing. What you need to do, Warren, is leasing has got more hair on it than buying. There's more ways a car dealer can take advantage of you. So when you decide you want to lease a car, you 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 decide yourself how much money you want to put down. You might want to put nothing down. That's the way leasing originally became popular for people yeah, that didn't I want. Have a, a cousin who just did that. He leased yeah. a um, a Nissan. <clears throat> Uh, and he put nothing down because yeah. he doesn't really care about cars. He just wants the he just wants the lease payment, and they gave him nothing down on it. And I don't know if that was good or is that bad, but he just well, it's, 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 it's neither good nor bad. It's it's your personal decision, but you have to compare apples and apples. If you're going to put a thousand dollars down on a Ford Taurus uh, for a thirty-six month lease, then you you pick your Ford Taurus with the same MIA, with the MSRP that you want to buy. And then you go to three Ford dealers and you tell them you want a 36-month lease with $1,000 down and you get the monthly payment and then you go to the next Ford dealer, the next Ford dealer, and you compare the payments. But you have to be sure that they don't switch it to a different model with a different MSRP and that they don't start mucking around with the down payment. You, you need to be sure you get an out-the-door Price. You can't be surprised. An actual purchase uh, price. Exactly. You have to you have to find out exactly what your cash out of pocket is going to be, and on the identical MSRP. And if you compare that, and then you can go to payments, which is what you want to compare anyway. But you can't compare payments until you've locked down all the other variables. Car dealers thrive. The re, the way they make a lot of money on you is get you to come off the target that you came in on. You came on one particular year make model car, they'll switch it to another. That way, it's a whole new ball game and they can increase the profit and you're not aware of it. But if you're gonna be leasing a car, hold down the down payment, the year make model, the MSRP, keep that constant and buy from the dealer that gives you the lowest out the door monthly payment. I, I got another question about the leasing. Yeah. Now, does this make any sense? Okay. Uh, I've lease cars many times in the past okay 
and sometimes I had to buy the car off the lease because I had too many miles on it, and I kept it a year or two and then sold it. Mm-hmm. Now they have the gimmick when you go into lease, because I went with my cousin, they try to sell you, uh, like, to pretend you know, you get scratches or something on the lease, mm-hmm. you know, they pay another $50 a month, and then you don't have to worry about that. I, I wouldn't buy that for anything. No. But if I go if I go in and I you know and I and I say uh, you know what is the least amount of mileage thinking I'm going to buy it off the lease anyway? Can you give me the least amount of mileage? Does that change the buyout price? In other words, if you say ten thousand miles instead of twelve, will they up the buyout price or lower the buyout price, or it's not going to change it at all? Well, no, it's not going to change at all. Your option to buy is based on their residual value, and. Uh, well, they will actually. I guess they're still uh, help me on this. If if you have fifteen thousand annual allowance and a ten thousand annual allowance, then the residual would be higher on the ten thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it would, yeah. it would. But be, you want to be darn sure you don't go over ten thousand because the penalty will really kill you. Be sure that you're going to stay under whatever allowance you choose. Yeah, but I, I, like I said, the, the ace in the hole is, I, and I've done this before because I went over once. I just bought the car mm-hmm. and I kept it like two years and then I then I sold it so it was it wasn't a big deal to me. In other words, yeah. when they you know they weren't going to work with me. I just said forget it. I'll just buy the car. I kept it for I don't remember how long on it. So that's sort of my ace in the hole. I just feel oh but, you know but I don't want to pay those extra fees. That, sure. You know I, yeah. I tried to talk my cousin out of doing it, but he just had it in his head that. You know, and it was a lot of money. It was like, I don't know, more than $50 a month or something. Sure. Well, be careful when you exercise your option option to buy. You want to be sure that you're buying it at a good price. Typically, and more often today, the option price is too high. You can do better by buying the same year-make model on a used car lot, and you can buy it for less money. Sometimes you really get a bargain, and you should always check your option price because it can be good, but I'd say probably three chances out of four, it's, it's going to be higher than you want to pay. All right. Even though let's say you went over the miles, let's say you got 30, but you had 40, it's still at your safety valve to say to the dealer, if you don't work with me, I'll just I'll buy it out, and you're not going to get anything on it. So you know, they, they won't eat them. if you lease another car for the same dealer. Oh, I see what you're saying. If you go way over, that's a good point, Stu. Did your Warren says, uh, let's say you go way over the allowed mileage, you have a big penalty. If you buy the car, then you don't have to pay the penalty. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, Warren. And I hadn't thought about that before. <laughs> you got you've been in the business a hundred years. Hey, I, mean, I learn something new every every week on this show. I never thought about it. I mean, uh, I've had a lot of people that really got killed on over mileage, and I should have said you might want to consider buying the car if you're going to keep it. And uh, might well, be. A... I, I actually did that. This was a number of years ago. I, yeah. I didn't realize I I was going to go back and forth between New Jersey and Florida, and I racked mm-hmm. up the miles way over. Yeah. The dealer said, well, I could work with you a little bit, but this and that. So I just said, you know, what's the buyout price? I said, you know, I bought it out. I just yeah. get it. I'll keep it a year or so. And, you know, and then it amortized it down to where I could yeah. get exactly what I still owed on the card. And I got, then I dumped it. So that was just a way of saying I'm not going to pay, you know, all this money and fees. And then he said scratches on and everything. So I yeah. said, you know, goodbye and good luck. And I yeah. just, You're a smart guy. Smart, and you told a car dealer who's been doing this for 50 years something he didn't know and he should have. And I thank you very much. <laughs> hey, Warren, call I, again. I, I, uh, you're a great I got, caller. I got, one, one quick, I got one quick statement for Rick. He, he gave me some good advice about okay. two or three weeks ago. I have a 2010 
poor tourist. Uh-huh. And even though I had relatively new brakes on it, the brakes were mushy. And my, my mechanic said he thought it was the module, the blah, blah, blah. So finally I gave in. I went to the dealer. I, I don't remember what he told me, but it wasn't that. They did all the testing on it, and they said it was some kind of bleak, whatever it was. And it, it turned out to be that was the reason. I ended up doing it at the dealer. I know I paid through the nose for it, but the car was there already. And I just want to start driving it out. And, you know, they charged like $100 to look at it, so they took it off the price. But you gave me good uh, good advice because, uh, you know, I would have gone someplace else and told them it was the brake module, and it wasn't. So that was good good advice on your part to go to the dealer. Sometimes you just got to pay the price, and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, thank you, Warren. You, you know, because they would tell, everybody was telling me something, you know, well, it's the brake module, it's the brake, but nothing came out on the scans. No computer stuff, no nothing. So I did go to the dealer, and he ran all the whatever they did. I, I, I didn't have no, you know, no idea. I dropped it off. They called me. They told me they could fix it. This is the price. You know, it was high. I knew that going in, but I just said, the car is there. Do it. And, you know, I'm not going to start taking it out and going to another place. But it was good advice because now it works perfectly, and, you know, thanks for the advice. Warren, thank you very much. Uh, you're a great caller. Please call again next week. 877-960-9960, and we've got another caller right here. We do. We have Jill from Brooklyn, Ma- Brookline, Massachusetts. Ooh, wow. First-time caller. Hey, Hello, Jill. Jill, have you gotten your sandwich from Cuddy's this weekend? Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> we know very good friends with the owners there, the best sandwiches in the United States. Oh, very yeah. good. Nice. Jill, are, are you yeah, a first-time caller? Oh, 50, ka-ching, you win $50. So before you hang up, uh, stay on the line, and, and the guy in the control room will get your contact information, and we will send you a check for 50 bucks because you're a new female caller. Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Um, my first question is, I have a 2019 van, and um, sometimes when I go to start it, 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 like it's just dead. I try it, and then I come back and then I try it again and it starts. Does that mean the battery's starting to go or? Uh, what model of van is that? Um, Dodge Caravan. Okay. When it does crank, does it seem to crank at like a normal speed or does it seem like it's kind of slow and, and really working to try to get the engine to fire up? I think it's pretty normal, but it's weird. Sometimes I crank it, it's just like dead. I'm like, oh, what's this? Like it's, and then I try it again, and it starts no problem. Hmm. Yeah, because usually, uh, if your battery's going bad, it'll it'll seem like the like it's really having to work to get the engine to crank over. But if it's just okay. that when you turn the key, nothing happens at all. You don't hear any clicks or anything like that. I'd be more looking at the starter for possibly the the solenoid not working properly. To when you turn the key, it's supposed to. Pull in this big solenoid that will actually start that motor spinning. And I'd be more concerned about that being the possibility. What would that cost to fix, Rick? Ballpark. Uh, I'm going to give you a guess of about four to $500, depending oh on how it's much a, a new starter would cost. Well, it's not too bad. Um, because the, the car has like 19,000 miles on it. But I think it was a rent-a-car first. For, okay. Um, in Orlando, uh-huh. so maybe there was a lot of start and stops, but it's not that many miles. But I thought a starter would go fifty, sixty thousand, huh? I uh, they they quite often do, but sometimes it, something may kind of let loose inside. It's 
Yeah, I mean, things do break. They're, they're mechanical things. Right. And we've had brand new cars that things break. Uh, what what right. year car did you say it was? What year is that, Dodge? It's a 19. Oh, I'd, I'd be going to the uh, right to the dealership and saying, hey, this is a 2019 with 19,000 miles. It should be under warranty. I, I'd be right in there absolutely having a yeah, discussion with them. I think... I think there's it's guaranteed for like thirty six thousand mile, yeah. Um, everything, so that's a good idea. Um, if it happens again, I'll, I'll have to notice if it's kind of rough, like the battery. But one other question is, I think the tire pressure says it's like thirty five, which I thought was low. But how, what pressure can I put in to get the best mileage and the best wear and tear on the tire? It seems like thirty five is low. Well, there, but how, there's how much can I put in? All right, well, there's two numbers that you're going to look for. One of them is real easy to find. There's a sticker. When you open the driver's side door, it should be on the right. body right there. There should be a sticker that will tell you one level. That's the manufacturer's recommended minimum level. So that should right. say like 35, and that's the one you never want to go below that level. Right. Then it's a little harder to find this one, but on the sidewall of the tire, there will be another PSI rating which could be 35, it could be as high as 40 or 44 PSI. That is the tire manufacturer's maximum safe level that you can run in that tire all the time. And you can put your tires up to that pressure and that will usually get you the best tire wear and the best fuel economy. So if the tires are rated for 40 PSI, go ahead and run them at that level and you'll be just fine. It, so I guess there's a chance that the side of the tire could say 35 too huh it's possible yes I, some of them i do. didn't i didn't know that you're saying that sometimes the manufacturer of the tire and the manufacturer of the car have the same psi yep i didn't know that sometimes they do yeah. earl, earl you're learning a lot today i am at least two new things so who says old guys <laughs> can't learn new tricks <laughs> that's great that's great well thank you so much for for your help i'll be calling again thank you joe I'll, I'll very much Okay, okay so stay much. on the line so we get your contact information. Okay? Thank you. Okay. Bye. We have another caller. And we have Nancy and Jupiter. Nancy and Jupiter. Mm. How about that? I, I know a Nancy and Jupiter, but it's probably just a coincidence. Good morning, guys. Oh, hey. it's Nancy. That's <laughs> Nancy Stewart. Feels like you're like here that. in the studio. What's going on, kid? Good morning, Mr. Stewart. Uh, I have a question uh, for you via, well, actually, I think it might be for Rick. And okay. this is uh, via, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Lori from Orlando. And she wants to know about her cabin filter and if it's important right now, in light of what's going on, if she changes it more often than you're supposed to. Hmm. And the second half of the text asks, does every car have a cabin air filter well i'll hit the second part first i would say probably 99 percent of cars made today and i know all of them in the u.s are going to have a cabin filter in them now and the for the first part no keep sticking with the manufacturer's recommended time for changing it unless you're in an area that is just so filthy dirty that the air is just full of dirt from construction or something 
and that cabin filter is getting dirty a lot more often. Yeah, like, I think the question had to do with the coronavirus. And, and then, no, it, it's and there is make no, no difference. The, you don't need to worry about airborne. It's not airborne. No. It actually has to be the uh, touch on your just don't, beard. Just don't eat your air filter. Exactly. No. Don't, don't eat the air filter or, or like, rub it on yourself. or something. Let's not even go there. No. But, no, uh, changing your air filter more often is not going to help anything for the coronavirus. The reason for that question, <clears throat> excuse me, that I didn't read the other part of it was because she has so many people in and out of her vehicle. Uh, we don't need to go into details, uh, but she thought it might be necessary. You know, it might be a good idea to wipe down, like, the handles and things like that. I feel a lot yeah. of people going in and out, like, with some yeah. Lysol yeah, I, disinfectant wipes. I would see that as a much more reasonable thing. Uh, have some Purell handy for them or just, you know, use the wipes on it. Yeah. But, no, the changing changing the cabin filter isn't going to change anything at all. But I bet a car dealer can yeah. figure out. I bet you're going to find car dealers saying you need to change your, oh, your there, cabin filter every week now. Uh, no, listen, oh, absolutely. No, there are yeah. things. No, listen, we've, we've been presented with products like, like a disinfectant treatment on the car like to sell and find. They're out there. Yeah. So watch, watch these things are going to become popular. Yeah, absolutely, Stu. Um, on Facebook, uh, there is advertisements all over the place uh, for uh, you to have your interior disinfected. Anyway, back to uh, <clears throat> the uh, texter. She carries the Lysol disinfecting wipes yeah. in her vehicle. Not the hand, but right. the Lysol disinfecting wipes. They're very, they're critical. I agree with her. Handles steering wheel, everything that mm -hmm. anyone comes in contact with. Okay, guys. Hey, uh, don't uh, forget, everyone, stay tuned for that mystery shopping report. Okay, stay on the line. You're a first-time female caller, no, no, she and we'll send you $50. I'm sorry. No, Nancy, Nancy was in the <laughs> hospital tuned, several sir. years ago and called in. She's not the first-time caller. <laughs> I've heard her on the, on the phone before. <laughs> stay tuned for Schumacher Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Del Rey mystery yeah. shopping report okay. just about 930. Okay. Okay, guys. It Thanks, was great Nancy. talking to you. We miss you. Okay. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye bye, honey. You know, Alan might say something about the uh, using a disinfectant wipe. I think you still should. Um, but if you have leather like services, like a leather steering wheel, you might want to make sure that's cleaned off nicely and condition that so it doesn't dry it out or you don't want to ruin like mm -hmm. a uh, you know a soft surface in your car. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Be careful of using those chemicals that can yeah. cause damage. Don't put hand sanitizer on your steering wheel or anything like that. That will definitely dry it out oh, and, yes. and mess with the dyes and all sorts of stuff. Yep. Boy, we're setting a phone record today. Yeah. We have a YouTube. Before we go to that, I'll give the number out. Maybe we can have an all-time record of phone calls. 877-960-9960. 877-960-9960. And we still have one more we, we do it for two first-time callers, right. female. Jill got the first 50 bucks, and now we still have an opening for another 50 bucks. First-time female caller, 877-960-9960. And now we got the YouTube. And we've got Don Brown asking, does Southeast Toyota install some extra accessories or equipment on their cars before selling to dealers? And he says, I suspect there is some difference. I think maybe he means difference between the accessories they install versus what a dealer might install. I can, yeah, I can address probably that. Probably. I'm, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one, Stu. I can do it, too. I know you can, but, I, <laughs> but, but, but it's, my, it's my mission. It's your passion. My mission, my passion 
is the Toyo Guard uh, that is put on the uh, Toyotas in the Southeast United States. Probably 95% of all the Toyota dealers buy this Toyo Guard. Um, it's around $699. Uh, retail, yep. retail, six hundred ninety-nine dollars, and when you consider rebates and kickbacks and other, the dealer cost is probably close to two hundred. Yeah, two fifty. Two fifty. So, uh, paint sealant, uh, fabric protection, uh, road hazard, uh, uh, concierge service, and a bunch of other nonsense oil that isn't where yeah oil changes and tire rotation. Yeah, you know, the, the tangible things are uh, tire tire changes and oil changes. I mean, uh, tire rotations and oil changes for the second two years. Toyota gives you the first two years free, and then after that, Toyota Guard. But the point is, the cost to the dealer is $250, and they're charging $699. Yep. And I think that is wrong, and um, you really shouldn't buy it. Um, but it's your choice. If you're going to buy it, pay what the dealer pays. But remember... Southeast Toyota's making a profit when they sell it to the dealer for $250. So the actual cost of this, I'm going to guess, is probably under $200, maybe under $150. Yeah. And that is what... you got to pay the middleman. That's the value, the true value. You're paying two middlemen for this, and you don't need it, and you're wasting your money. And there are other things that they will put on there, too. Be, that, be you, leery. That, you, that you won't use. <laughs> yeah. Be leery of anything that any car dealer sells you on a new car that does not manufacture or install. Southeast Toyota Distributors is not the manufacturer. Right. They are a distributor. Rick? Uh, they also have installed at the port and at dealerships uh, SET accessories such as tonneau covers for pickups, mm -hmm. uh, the home link mirrors. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of other accessories yes. that they will yeah. Yeah. So there's a Offer whole, up. The, what, what I wanted to chime in was there's a whole accessory program that SET tries to incentivize the dealers to load up the cars with as much stuff as they can because they're selling it. And um, the point, you can get a car, if you if there's something that you want, if you wanted a tonneau cover, you could tell the dealer that you want one and they can bring it in with you. The problem is, is when they load it up, it's no different than having dealer installed accessories. Yep. Now, that's not to say that they're worthless. I mean, they might have some, you know, some cool accessories, but never, uh, never buy a car with a pre-installed dealer installed accessory. Yeah. Uh, when you decide what you want and the accessories you want, buy that. If you want something else, you should have the right to shop and compare right. prices. And if it's pre-installed, you can't yeah. shop and compare. Exactly. And they shouldn't give you a hard time about locating a vehicle or bringing one in without the stuff. Yes. So if you go to a dealer and let's say it's your closest Toyota dealer and you really like the salesperson, you want to buy a car from them, but they have another $1,000 in equipment on it, just ask them to bring in one without it. And mm -hmm. they shouldn't give you a hard time about that. Exactly. Another caller. We have Anna in Loxahatchee. Hi, Anna. Are you a first-time caller? You there? Hello. Hi, Anna. I'm here. Are Hi, you? how are you? I'm a first-time caller. Oh, wonderful. Stay on the line after you get through with what you want to say to us, and we're going to get you 50 bucks. And thank you very much for calling. Uh, what can we do for you this morning? You still with us, Anna? I think Ooh. we're... We lost some... the call. Oh, my. Anna, Anna, please call back. Yeah, if you can hear us on the radio, uh, please call back. You're our first-time caller, and you got to call back because we want to send you 50 bucks, and we also want to hear what you have to say. Okay. And actually, uh, our producer's telling us 
We do have her information. Oh, great. So we're going to send it to her anyway. Absolutely. Right. We'll make sure she gets it. Even if she doesn't get a chance to call back, we'll make sure she exactly. gets it. Exactly. We're not going to hold you to a technicality. All right. Let's jump on to another oh. anonymous. She's I, back. I think she's back. Oh, do we have Anna? Hello, Anna? Yes, Stuart? Yes, we hear you now, Anna. You're going to get 50 bucks oh, in the mail. Thank you. Listen, I, I just want to thank you. I'm getting ready to buy another Toyota. I bought Toyotas all my life. Mm -hmm. This is uh, a RAV4. This is my third one that I have. Oh, wow. And I'm getting ready to buy the, the 20, uh, 2020. But I'm a little bit skeptical because of all the new gadgets they have. Yeah. Uh, you know, the like my husband tells me it's electrical and also gas. Well, I think half of it. The hybrid, yeah. The hybrid, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, Corolla uh, does do have. Do you have any? Yes. Go ahead. Um, no, Toyota has a, a, a hybrid Corolla. Yes, that came out last year. <coughs> well, she's looking no, the for the Rav Four. Oh, Rav Four hybrid. Yeah, and got that you too. can you can get either a regular gas version or the hybrid version. Either one. How is the hybrid? Um, is is there a lot of complaints with it, or no. is it? Um, no, not so far. I mean, it's they came out last year, and it's. It, I mean, they're obviously things can go wrong, but it's actually uh, it's, it's a pretty good car. I mean, we're selling a lot of them. If you check Nationwide. Consumer Reports, I'm pretty sure they have a high I rating with Consumer Reports. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, I just started uh, listening to you guys, at, uh, and it's a lot of inf good information you guys have. That okay. way, when I go buy it, I, I sound smart. <laughs> well, Anna, one thing, I, one thing you mentioned something about them being very high tech and with a lot of new equipment and features, and and they do the all the new cars, 2020s especially, uh, have a lot of gadgets, and I th that's a kind of a deprecating term. I don't mean negative. They just have a lot of Bye, things right. you need to learn. You need to learn how to operate the car. So when you buy the car, be sure that the salesperson or somebody sits down with you and takes a lot of time to go over everything. And then you have to have somebody to know to call if there's a question later. Because I'll tell you, speaking from personal experience, and I've been in the business a long time, there's, there's things on my car that I, I'm not sure about how to use them. Be sure you get a full education no matter what car you buy today because they are complicated. Another, thank you. Thank you for your help, guys. Thank you, Anna. Another really great resource, Anna, is if you have something on that you don't really understand, pull up a YouTube video for it. There's a YouTube video on everything, mm -hmm. and you can I, – I learned stuff off YouTube about the cars. I got a YouTube yesterday on how to unplug my sink in my bathroom How sink. to clean a toaster. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 I completely destroyed the bathroom. It uh, hey. compressed air and blew – Yuck all over the mirror. Give my shirt. Give him, a, give him bad terrible. comments. Yeah. Uh, unlike, dis dislike the video. <laughs> give him a thumbs down. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got an anonymous feedback here. Um, <laughs> here we go. International from one phone call in Bali and maybe three from Canada. Really, Earl? That's stupid. Get over yourself. Just go back to being a self serving Florida dealer and leave the rest of the world alone. I'm so hurt by that. Well, see, that's the reason I love anonymous. Wow. Well, it, it doesn't. But he's wrong. It, it doesn't. Well, it's, he's Australia, wrong. Australia, um, Santo Domingo, uh, yeah. Saipan. Yeah. Uh, no, please. They, they say you can vent. You can say anything you want to us, and that's what uh, we do. The, I say the mystery shopping report makes us unique. 
the anonymous feedback. You can say anything, and we will read it, unless it's really vulgar. You know, if, yeah. if it offends somebody, I'll figure out a way to read it. That, we'll we'll that do doesn't a bleep. Offend yeah. the FCC. Okay, let's move yeah. along. All right. Do most people with convertibles run the air conditioning with the top down? How are we supposed to know that? You know something? <laughs> I, I I confess. Well, I, I think I'm. A, feels good. If I don't know, I'm going to guess, right. and I guess yes. Right. And uh, it feels good. You want the top down, and the cold air feels good, and you're wasting it, and you're probably using excess gas. But my guess is most people do run the air conditioning. I would. Yeah. I would in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, there is a, there is a certain temperature out there. I don't have a convertible, but the windows down, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. unless yeah. it was cold outside. Then yeah. you as uh, you would say when I was a kid, were you air conditioned the whole world? Okay, sorry. I think yeah. you did that with the refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, question for Earl and Rick. The Toyota RAV4 Hybrid is getting a lot of press with reference to the, a design flaw in the gas tank. Uh-oh, we just told her it was a... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, design flaw in the gas tank. Does this design flaw also occur in the regular gas-powered 2019 RAV4? And then they sent a YouTube link uh, to coverage of that um, of that issue. I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't either. Yeah. I'm learning a huge amount on this show. In fact, well, Rick I, would know. I'm coming across as kind of stupid, actually. But uh, right, i got to tell uh, you, yeah, if, you, if, if you, I don't know something, I tell few, you. A few things of ignorance. It's okay. okay. Today, I don't know. Okay. so uh, go Yes, sir. Rick? So far, I think that is restricted to the hybrid because they do have a, a slight, some modifications in them. What's the problem with the gas um, tank? I believe it's a recall coming out that it's something with the fuel pump. And it's part of that big fuel oh, pump the fuel recall. Pump recall. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of uh, <coughs> if that's the one. Yeah, there's there's a lot of well, cars going to be involved in that yeah, one. Is that when the car stops? Yeah, they, just, yeah, yeah. they just added a million to that one, I believe. That yeah. was the one yeah. that came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, I don't if, I don't know if that's the same one. Basically, yeah, the car could stop because um, the fuel pump stops working. So, Can basically. I tell you something that will probably shock you and maybe maybe make people not like me? But I just, I, I have this, I'm a radical transparency guy, and I just can't help myself. Car dealers love recalls. I mean, I got to admit that we don't like people to be hurt, at least I don't, yeah. and we don't like dangerous things. But Or people to be scared but to when we get When we get a recall, like on this fuel pump and other things, uh, or on dashboards or whatever it is, uh, we get paid by Toyota hands- well. handsomely yeah. yep. uh, to fix the car. And service business can be a little slow because the cars are really good today. Sounds contradictory that I'm talking about recalls and good cars, but overall they are really good cars. And the maintenance is so little that car dealers can't make a lot of money in the service department. So when there's a recall, we do high five. We high five each get, other. We get giddy. And it's a, yeah. I feel guilty about that. Yeah. But the, I just got to tell you the truth. I can't help myself. Yeah. You know, it's funny, in the whole universe of, of recalls and, and defects, I mean, obviously cars are getting better, you know, over, over the years, oh, over the decades. Oh, much better, much better. They're just, the, the, the only entity doing a really good thing really is the manufacturer, because no one's going to build a perfect car. No. The fact that they're the only ones actually doing anything about it. I mean, a new car dealer, uh, basically, I mean, a new car manufacturer... Um, they're announcing these things. They're trying to get ahead of it. They don't like the bad press. The downside is that there is there is a fatigue. People hear these things. It's you know a million Toyotas were added to this recall list this week, and uh, granted the coronavirus was was dominating the news, but it really didn't make much of a splash. Yeah, nobody cares. There's an apathy about yeah. recalls. Yeah. I think we have a YouTube. Well, we got a couple of them, but uh, this one's really good. One is give me five bucks. I love this guy's name. <laughs> 
Uh, if the key fob batteries die in your smart key remote, is there another way to get the car started? He says, I have a Honda Civic. Now, I'm going to go a little bit on a limb and bet that the Honda's probably got the same design as Toyota for the smart car. If the remote battery dies, but your car is still fine, the car battery, mm -hmm. all you got to do is hold the remote up next to the power switch. And usually they want you to hold the back side of the remote, which is where the, the transmitter chip is, hold it right up against that power switch when you step on the brake and push the button, and it should start your car up just fine. But that's if you have a little bit of juice left in the battery. If there's nope. zero juice. If it's zero juice even. Is that Because right? it's got the coil. I am uh, getting an overwhelming education. How many things have I learned today? Did you know that, Stu? I knew that. Uh, no, you didn't. Rick said we did. You're we lying. <laughs> the, <laughs> I learned it from the, Rick. The, I always thought, I knew that if you held the remote closer to the the lock yep. it would work but i thought because there's a little bit of juice and you're telling me that there you have a you ha i could take the battery you have out to of move the it back remote. and forth really yep. fast and create a current now you you can't unlock the door that's why you've got a little key that can be removed from yeah. the remote you start to the unlock the door you start the car, yeah. but to start the car you hold it right up against there and it's just like having a key mm -hmm. with a regular chip in it okay. that has no battery at all. Okay, let me tell more. everybody out there something is that proves how smart I am. When you are way away from your car and you want to lock it, if you hold it up to your head and hold the remote on your head, your head or under your chin acts as an amplifier to the signal. And I have tested this out myself. Well, you have a giant you can steel get, plate in your head. That that's true, the plate. Don't tell the <laughs> Gives me an extra 50 feet radius. I can go. I can be yeah. 50 feet further from my car and lock it when I hold it up to my head. And I'm not kidding. It well, sounds it like I'm kidding. It also helps or, that you're six or under your chin. That you're six five. That you're, you. I used to be <laughs> six five. I'm you're I'm six, six three two. now. Okay. It it really does work. Yes. Okay. Let's move along. Another text. All right. Uh, this this was interesting. It was it's anonymous feedback and. Um, you're you're gonna you're gonna start you're gonna pick a fight with me. I'm gonna be skeptical about this one. Okay. Um, I just bought a new 2020 RAV4 LE and want, I want to see if I got a good deal. I paid $21,999 out the door with fees and everything. No sales tax because they live in New Hampshire, and that is true. The MSRP was $29,902. So the MSRP of this 2020 RAV4 LE was $29,900, and they went $21,900 out the door. Um, they also got a 3.38% uh, uh, interest rate on 72 months. And, uh, and he said he took, uh, put, uh, took two weeks of pushing dealers against each other. They had five dealers competing for the deal. Also, used Costco. Want to know if they got a good deal. Now, my question is, was, it, was there a trade-in? Uh, that's a very good question. That's reason Thank you. I would love to see if it's possible to send in. Um, you can redact your personal information. And my second question would be, do they finance the car with a the dealer? They did, 3.38% uh, for oh, 72 months. Okay. But here's the reason I'm, the only reason I'm skeptical is, so I did a little math while you guys were talking over there, and um, even taking out sales tax, even taking out the to Southeast Toyota administration fee that's in the Southeastern United States, uh, taking it down to the cost, and then just saying, all right, let's say they lose $3,000. It would still be around $25,000, $24,500 out the door. That's not to say it didn't happen. I'm just saying I would what, love to see the, what was the, the day. What was the date of the purchase? Well, it's a 2020 RAV4 LE, and those have, they're, they're, that's current in stock, so it has to be in the last six months. And did he buy it in the southeast or up north? Nope, up in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I accounted for all of that. 
Well, yeah, the reason I asked that question is that they don't have stair-step uh, incentives. I, I, of, I, I counted for everything. Out of Southeast yeah. Toyota, yeah. Now, if he bought in the Southeast uh, and they bought it at the end of the quarter when they had to hit their number, it's possible yeah. they would take a losing deal. It, it is, right. There, there, anything can happen. It could be on the last day of the month, and they said, hey, what the heck, let's lose $5,000 to sell the car. Yeah. But, I mean, not to make it, I mean, that's considerably less. I mean, at our dealership, and I know we're doing a we yeah, we don't want to. We yeah. don't want to take anything away from yeah. anybody. If you did it, uh, God right. bless you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, if you really, you really might work, be missing something though. Huh? They might be missing something. Though. Might be missing if you traded the car in. I ask that because they will undervalue your trade and sell you the new car ridiculously cheap. But they'll take the new car in five thousand dollars below the actual cash value. Uh, if they finance the car, in this case, it was a good interest rate. Possibly they loaded it up with after-sale products. Uh, there's a lot of way car dealers can get you. People, a lot of people think they get great deals, and they don't. That's a really scary part about it. It's one thing to get taken advantage of and then realize it, because when you badmouth the dealer, you never go back, and so on and so forth. But when you think you got a great deal, you spread the word, other people go in, and the same thing happens. It's so unusual for a car dealer to sell a car below what it cost him. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, and, and it happens. That's just so far below that. I'm, I'd be curious to see yes. the buyer's order, the final paperwork that was exactly. signed to delivery. Um, and if you can, you can take a picture of it with your phone and text it to 772-497-6530, and you can cross out your name and stuff. We don't need to know uh, who it came from, but uh, be useful. Next. Okay, I, I don't know if this is for real, but uh, okay, here we go. Anonymous feedback. I got fired, my wife divorced me, my two children hate me, I can try to blame me, but I blame you. Life was good, not perfect, just good. Why do you stick your nose in places it doesn't belong? Why did you have to shop my dealership? You may be trying to help everyone else, but you ruined me and my life. Well, you know, it sounds, it sounds like it's not uh, factual. Yeah. Uh, on the off chance it is factual, uh, give me a call. You deserved it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Give me a call. We'll be glad to talk to you. And if you're looking for a job selling cars and you want to do it honestly, uh, we'd certainly uh, yeah, take we, an application. Yeah, but if we ruined your life, you probably didn't do I can't that good a job. With, I can't help you with a wife. <laughs> no, I'm saying if, if, it, if it ruined his life, then he probably had a bad shopping report. I don't know if we want him working I don't, for I, Why would his wife divorce him just because he got fired? Huh? I don't know. There wasn't real love there to begin with. Yeah. So we don't know. Tongue-in-cheek, uh, if it's true, then I feel terrible for you. Uh, if it's not true, that's why we have anonymous feedback. We we read everything that you send us. So you folks out there that want to embarrass me, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Youranonymousfeedback.com. You can call. You can send in a lie to make me look bad, and we'll read it on the air. Rick? On that uh, issue with the RAV4 hybrid fuel tank, this is one that almost got by me. I hadn't really heard much on this apparently there's a concern with the 19 and 20 hybrid ravs that the fuel tank although it's rated to be 14 and a half gallons mm -hmm. will only take 10 gallons of fuel before the pump automatically shuts off mm -hmm. and the fuel gauge will show less than full between three quarters or seven eighths full well see i feel vindicated because i'm admitting i don't know stuff 
Rick, and I'm learning too. Rick yep. learned too, and Stu didn't I, know. I, I knew all this, so nobody knew any of it. Uh, so we're all learning. And it's it's an ongoing issue where Toyota says they're investigating it, trying to figure out what they've got to do. Yeah. And there's actually a class action lawsuit has been started well, over this. I don't blame them. Where they're, they're really working. I mean, that's really dumb. Yeah. yeah. Right. People are saying that the driving range of the vehicle, how far yeah. it can go on a tank of gas, yeah. is being drastically reduced. Of course. Because you can only put about two-thirds Terrible. to three-quarters of a tank I, of fuel. I got two hybrid RAV4s in my driveway. Is that right? Yeah. Have you ever tried to put more than 10 gallons of gas yeah. in? Yeah, we're not having that issue on, okay. on, on ours. So. Mm. Okay, let's go to the, we got some more text, I bet. Yeah. Hello, this is Tim from Amherst, Ohio. I leased a new 2019 Tacoma last August. I understand they updated the software for the shifting to improve <coughs> the sluggish shifting in the 2020. Can that be done on my Tacoma? Thank you. Love your show and watch on YouTube. That's from Tim. Uh, that's very possible. The only way to tell for sure is you'd need to go in and ask the dealership to hook up a scan tool to see if an update's available for your vehicle. Okay. Okay. And that should just be no charge, right? It should be covered under factory warranty uh, for, I believe, most reflashes are eight years, 80,000 miles, and obviously no charge to the customer whatsoever. And plan on, depending on how busy they are, between one to two hours for them to get your car in a shop and get it done. Okay, Amherst, Ohio. I love it when we get these calls from all over. International. Yeah. Just kidding. Well, at least it's interstate. Yeah. Okay, good morning, Earl and Company. This is Ben from Pennsylvania, another country. Oh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I love it. This is Ben from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I am a podcast listener, and I, I'm always a few days behind. This text is for Rick, and specifically the reset, the tire pressure monitoring uh, system sensor, and wait 15 minutes, the technique he'd mentioned a few times in recent shows. I'm not sure this will work because if there is a button to reset the system, it is an indirect system and uses the car's ABS to monitor pressure by counting and comparing tire rotations. The car's computer won't learn the reset pressure rotation rate until it is driven, so I don't believe adding air 15 minutes after the TPMS button is pressed will do anything unless the vehicle is driven before more air is added. Please elaborate. Uh-oh, Rick. I think he caught you. Nope. Nope. Oh. <laughs> the older sorry ben the older indirect systems <laughs> well I'll, I'll try to keep this as short and quick as possible okay. the older indirect systems every time you rotated the tires or replaced the tires or changed your air pressure you had to reset it by holding that button so that the computer could recalibrate based on where those tires were. Tell them quickly what the whole original thing was. So we got a lot of people out there who don't the, know what you're talking about. The new portion, what people are concerned about is the sensors in the tire now that is the direct system that actually tells the computer exactly how much air pressure is in those tires. This system, you can set what's called the threshold. In other words, the level at which the tire light will come on. And you do this because your tire light's coming on, uh, and it really shouldn't come on for temperature fluctuations. Right. So you change your threshold so that doesn't happen. Like, well, like our earlier caller that yeah. said she wanted to set her tires, run her tires at a yeah. higher pressure. Yeah. She might want to have that threshold set a little bit higher. Yeah. So if she starts losing air in the tire, she'll know sooner. Versus someone that wants to run a lower pressure can reset the threshold a little lower mm -hmm. so that they don't have the light coming on for no reason. Okay. I have a little tip. 
okay. on, on the same su- subject. All right. So it got colder last week, and just like it cooled off this mm-hmm. weekend. Last weekend, my tire pressure light came on. It even happens to me, folks. And uh, yeah. I assumed that it was just the temperature. Now, so my last two cars, and I, and I just in disclosure, I drive re, you know, current model cars, so not every vehicle has this. But on the car I'm driving right now and the car I drove last time, you're able to actually see the individual pressures on each tire. And so my assumption would be, and I think this makes sense, if it cools off and the tire pressure goes down in your car, it's going to be relatively equal. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost just chalked it up to the, t- to the temperature, and I said, let me just double check drilled down a little bit and I saw that all my tires are at 34 pounds per square inch but my right rear was down at 19 mm. and I had, an, I had a screw in my tire wow. yep. so if you see it and it's chilly out don't assume it's the tire pressure it's, it's, it's best to check it out and if you do have a more recent one you can actually look on the dashboard and see which tires are uh, individual tires very good do you have road hazard insurance I don't need it okay I'm self-insured next uh, good morning. This is from Anne Marie, our, our regular texter. Good morning. I hope that Nancy will be back on her feet very soon. Uh, my questions for the morning uh, concerns car colors. What are the most popular colors and what are the least popular colors? Why do red cars have lower resale values? Just wondering. Thanks. Um, I think it varies a little bit. I, you know, you think about sports cars. Flashy cars have flashy colors, and um, you know, a red convertible. Uh, is a, is a good color for a convertible or a red sports car, and black and white are the staples. Uh, you can't go wrong with black or white, and uh, silver, and uh, still what else? I think you know, black, white, and silver. Um, it's just because they have a, a larger audience. That's all. Um, yeah. So and when you get a crazy yellow or or uh, obscene orange kind of thing on a on a, a, a spiffy, yeah. you know, like a Jeep or something. If, if you go crazy on color, go crazy on the model car. But if you're going to buy a sedan yeah. or just a normal SUV or yeah. whatever, if, if stick with a conservative color. Yeah, if, you're get, if you're getting a Camry or an Accord, don't get bright racing blue because yeah. most people want. And it is a big deal every day. Uh, our appraisers. Uh, or asked to replace cars over the phone. One of the first questions they ask is, "What color is it?" Because if you got a purple. if you got a purple Camry, or you got a you got a uh, bright green Honda Accord, you're the only person who likes that color. <laughs> it de- yeah, it devalues that car by at least a thousand dollars, maybe more. Yeah. So if you love the color so much, you got to have it. Bear in mind, you'll pay the piper when you trade it in. Yeah, if, if, if imagine you're a used car customer. What would you pay to drive that goofy-looking purple car? Yeah, right. <laughs> it got to be pretty low. Exactly. Give me a good deal. Uh, hi, Earl. Uh, this is Steve from New Jersey. Concerning the coronavirus in the con- coming months, what impact do you estimate on new car sales and the manufacturing prices? Boy, I wish I knew that answer. I could make a fortune on the stock market. I know one thing. I'm glad I'm not in the airline business or the hotel business. But we don't know what's going to happen to the automobile business. I think people, we were speculating the other day that people may be buying more cars online. Uh, They may be having cars delivered as opposed to going into the dealership. Uh, You know, who wants to go in and shake hands with a car salesman uh, or have a car salesman sneeze on them? We're struggling with that. So, yeah, we're struggling with that. We don't want to offend people, but we don't want to shake their hands anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's it's a whole new world out there. Uh, I like to believe that it's, uh, it's, it's being hyped a little bit out of proportion, but you can't say that until time passes and the media are enjoying themselves. And so are, I, part of it bothers me is the fact that they ignore dangerous recalls entirely, entirely. 
They don't talk about them. You can, you can have a car recalled with airbags, and the the notice will be on page 21 in the newspaper. And and you pick up, and you, you know, you. And, there's like 400 cases of coronavirus yeah. in the United States. There's millions of recalled vehicles. Yeah, and you got who knows how many people are dying from these dangerous recalls because they don't talk about it. But it is uh, exciting to come to work these days with this whole coronavirus. That's one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's another text. Particularly if you're an old guy like me. Yeah, no, that's actually, I mean, you should be, you know, prudent. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't laugh it off. But yeah. uh, this is a text uh, from Bob. It says, Costco adds additives at the pump. Is this another nitrogen-filled tires gimmick? Costco adds additives at the pump when you buy gas from Costco? That's what he says. I don't know what that means. I, I do know that uh, Costco gas is extremely cheap. Uh, it's good gas. I don't mean cheap in a negative sense. Low, inexpensive. And they have, uh, in, our, in our market here, uh, they're building a new gas station at the Costco on North Lake Boulevard in Palm Beach Gardens. And I'm all excited about that because you can save a lot of money at Costco when you buy gas. As far as adding an additive when you buy gas, I don't know what that means. Uh, maybe you could text us again. Maybe it's like that, uh, uh, what's the one that adds tecrolene? Yeah, they might. Uh, yeah, so, they might sell. Yeah. They might sell you an additive, and if Costco's selling additives, I would say don't buy it. Although no, no. Costco is my favorite store. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking like all all the different Mobile and Exxon and all that. They oh, always talk about their special chemical they have in their fuel that makes it better but, than anyone but, else. Well, I thought Costco uh, sold a regular brand. Do they have Costco gasoline? Costco brand? Yeah. Uh, oh, they do. I, well, I, I always thought there was just a. You know, the fuel that they bought from whoever their supplier was, I oh. didn't think it was anything special. Well, check it out. Uh, I can't answer that question. Very interesting. Okay, we have a, a texter. This is uh, something I don't know if you'll know the answer to. It just wants to know if there are canvas seat covers available for a 2017 Camry. I'm going to guess, yeah. I mean, there's like Pet Boys and all these uh, parts stores. There's Amazon. Yeah. I, I, put, I, it, put it in the yeah. search. Canvas seat covers for Camry, and you'll have a whole bunch yeah. of them. I mean, I I got a I found a company that made heavy canvas seat covers for my Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're all caught up on text. Okay. That's oh, fine. I got one YouTuber left here. So uh, Jose Huertas asked, "Hi guys, if I get a price on the net, can I still negotiate when I get to the dealership?" Thanks. Of course, and uh, mm. and uh, hopefully you don't have to. Uh, I always believe in making the quote, an out-the-door quote, and you explain it this way. Okay, is this the outdoor price, salesman? Yes, it is. Okay, my definition of an out-the-door price is I'm going to bring you a check for this amount. Or, or a briefcase full of cash. And I'm going right, to hand you the check, and I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to go home, and you'll never see me again. That's an out-the-door price. Okay, I don't want any nitrogen in my tires that I didn't know about. I don't want any electronic filing fees. I don't want any, uh, you know, uh, um, floor mats. I don't want window tent. I don't want pinstripes that I didn't know about. I want to be able to write out a check, give it to you, get my car, and go home. That's an out-the-door price. If you do that, you're probably not going to have to negotiate again. But what the heck, give it a try. Okay. Mystery shopping report time? I'm ready. Let's, let's do it. Mystery shop of Schumacher Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Delray. Schumacher bought this dealership 
what, two, three years ago? Yeah. You got a lot of dealerships. Um, they got to do something about that name, though. Schumacher, no. No, no, no. The Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you. CDJ. They don't mention Fiat. I wonder why. <laughs> I know why. Automobile safety recalls continue to make the news. This week, Toyota added over a million vehicles to its list of vehicles recalled for faulty fuel pumps. At this pace, 2020 may be shaping up to be a record year for car recalls. I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, already, it's, it's just, yeah. just turned March, and there's yeah. millions of them. Yeah. The Toyota fuel pump issue is serious. The fuel pump could fail and cause the engine to stop. I mean, can you imagine being on I-95 at rush hour and your car stops? KD bar the door. But not nearly as scary as the Takata airbag recalls. The idea of a car's airbag exploding, sending shrapnel, literally, steel shrapnel through the, the, and we say passenger side, driver's side, let me tell you, that shrapnel doesn't know whether you're a passenger or, a, or the driver, or maybe even the back seat. It's like a grenade going off. So it's terrifying. There's something obscenely ironic, I like that, Stu, about a vehicle safety feature becoming the thing that kills you. Yeah. I mean, that should be in the dictionary about irony. A safety bag, a safety bag, an airbag that can kill you. Yeah, it's not supposed to do that. Yeah, a lot of them out there. Sad to say. Uh, the idea, uh, okay, there's something, okay, oh, I just did that. If exploding airbags are the worst that could happen, surely the second worst would be airbags that fail to deploy when we needed them in the crash. The failure of a critical safety equipment that we've come to rely on to save our lives is a chilling notion. In reading this, because Stu does these reports, I just read them on the air. Reading this, it made me think about this. How many defective airbags have killed people? Uh, how long, and I'm not just talking about Takata airbags, I'm talking about airbags that don't go off, that go off too fast. When you have a deadly crash and you have a, a, a tangled mass of iron with human beings inside being peeled out of a car, and I'm sorry I'm being so graphic, but when you have a, a terrible accident, how do you know what killed the occupants of the car or seriously injured them? And I've, I've mentioned this before. So how long have we had airbags? 40 years, 50 years? Um, like in the 80s, right? So, I mean, they started they being yeah. widespread in the 80s. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm going to say they started about mid-80s. Now, how many fatal? 83. Okay, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. In 1983, so all these years... We've had these deadly accidents with cars with airbags. And the airbags go off in most cases with the deadly accidents. How many times was the airbag part of the problem that we didn't know about? Now we're talking about it. And suddenly we're getting a lot of airbag recalls. Before Takata, I don't think we had airbag recalls, did we? I don't know. I can't remember any. So suddenly we're seeing other airbag recalls. There could have been Hundreds of thousands of people killed by defective airbags that we never knew about. Anyway, um, that's speculation. Uh, the possibility is the subject of uh, another Toyota recall. Uh, with three million Toyotas are now under recall for a potentially faulty electronic control unit that may cause the airbags to fail to deploy in a crash. As of today, Toyota hasn't announced a remedy. We're told it will be soon. 
That's kind of nerve-wracking, isn't it? Many of those recalled Toyotas are currently owned and driven by consumers who are unlikely to be notified about this problem. And many of them are currently being sold on the used car market. Okay. Same thing with Takata, of course. Of course, if you've paid attention to this show for the past three years, you already know that there are no laws preventing the sale of used cars with dangerous safety recalls. Every time I say that, I choke mentally. How can it be? How can our legislators, our regulators, how can the media let this happen? Do you hear what I'm saying? There's no law against any car dealer selling a car with a dangerous recall airbag that can kill you. Go ahead and sell it. Yeah. There's not even a fine. There's no, there's not a penalty. There's no ticket. Not a reprimand, or reprimand. Is what I'm trying to say. They're not, not even required to tell you. There's not, yeah. not, not even a dirty look. That's right. Not, not even a disapproving look. Yeah. I mean, is there anybody out there? Are there any politicians listening to this? Are there any regulators? Anybody listening to this? There's no law against Rick Kearney selling you a car, or Earl Stewart selling you a car that I know has a defective, dangerous recall that can kill you. There's no law me telling you that it can happen. Okay, enough of that. Uh, Toyota's position has been to forbid Toyota dealers from certifying recall vehicles, but they have no power, they say they have no power, to ban the sale of a Toyota with a defective recall. Certified means Toyota doesn't want to have its name on it. A Toyota certified car they won't allow you to certify a car with a dangerous recall. You got to fix it. But if you don't certify it, and you don't, if you don't have to certify yeah. a Toyota, yeah. you can sell it anyway. That's, that's the washing of the hands. They don't want their name on it. Yeah. Okay. Nor do federal, state, or local governments care. They don't care. If they cared, they'd pass a law, or they try to pass a law. They haven't even tried to pass a law. No. There hasn't been a bill introduced in the Florida Senate would be DOA. Or the House. Yeah. What's the FADA? The Florida Automobile Dealers Association position? They say nope. They know nothing. They say nothing. They say nothing. Okay. So this week, we wanted to investigate this particular recall. We applied a Takata-style test to a dealer who was listing a used 2016 Toyota Corolla with a faulty airbag electronic control unit. Schumacher Chrysler what are they Schumacher CDJ yeah Schumacher CDJ just Schumacher yeah Schumacher in Delray when I arrived at the dealership speaking in the first person as if I were Agent Thunder in the late afternoon I found a lot of construction going on and a hard time finding my way around the facility I had to ask someone to guide me to the used car department I was guided to the used car office where I was introduced to Pedro we name names Pedro a used car salesman. Pedro asked what I was looking for. I told him about the Corolla. I said I was buying a first car for my 16-year-old daughter. Wow. 16-year-old daughter. Stu knows all about that. Mine just got her first car. Pedro indicated his approval and said, I had a lucky kid. I told him that 
My main concern was safety, and I chose the Corolla for its reputation as a safe and reliable car. Pedro agreed with me and then asked what I had hoped to accomplish today. Would I be taking delivery this afternoon? I said, I'd seen a few other 16 Corollas online, but they were priced higher than Schumacher's. Also, I promised my daughter I would get her a white one with a light gray interior. I said, if the car checks out and the out-the-door price was in line, I would take delivery that night. Pedro suggested that we go out and meet my daughter's new car. I like that. Yeah. I mean, Let's go out and yeah, meet nice your daughter's nice. I like that. It's a good yeah. line. Good sales line. He grabbed the keys and a dealer plate, made a copy of my license on the way out. Pedro called, uh, talked a little about the car on the ride. He didn't know much about the Corolla, naturally. He sells Jeeps. He gave general description of the features like, these are the windshield wiper controls. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, the radio knob. This is the steering wheel. Yeah. I went right for the safety question. Do you know if there are any safety issues I should be concerned with? You know, I was thinking after I read that, what if we didn't say that? wonder what would have happened. But I did say that. Uh, what about safety issues? Uh, Pedro said he didn't think so, but then issued the standard refrain, we'll check Carfax. Uh, the Carfax that report. happens in, like, in every mystery shop. Every time, yeah. yeah. We'll check the Carfax report. And and it's a fair we thing need to do a shop where we just don't say ask about safety. Yeah. See what You know happens. what? This was the uh, going way back to the uh, Arrigo lawsuit, and that was the guidance from the attorneys who said that would be a, a, a good question to ask. And maybe we, we, can, we yeah. can mix it up next time. Yeah. We made our way to the dealership and went inside. Pedro offered me a seat and said he'd go get the Carfax report. I asked him if he could uh, bring a detailed purchase order, too. And I said I wanted to look at all the numbers. And uh, return, uh, Pedro returned with both the uh, Carfax report and a real buyer's order. We hardly ever see these at this stage of the mystery shopping report, albeit with the numbers not filled in on the real buyer. Yeah, blank. He started with the Carfax uh, report summary page. He uh, shortly announced no accidents, no damage, and one owner. Then he said, and one recall. I asked him what it was about. He said it was about the ECU and the airbags may not work uh, in a crash. He said that the toilet is still currently preparing the remedy and pointed to where he was reading. Pedro said, I shouldn't worry about it. I would just need to take it in to a Toyota dealer when they have a fix. I asked when that would be and Pedro pointed to where it said Toyota was currently preparing the remedy and shrugged to indicate it wasn't a big deal. We moved on to the numbers. Now, that's uh, something that I think you, with a 16-year-old daughter, would feel a little bit more concerned about. Uh, I don't think you, your mind would be put to rest because the Toyota dealer would fix it when there was a remedy yeah. available. Uh, you would you'd probably just say, I don't think I want to buy that car now. You know, it's funny, the, the whole 16-year-old daughter thing changes the equation. If it was just for me, I could see myself risking it. Yeah, what's the likelihood I'm going to run into something yeah. on the way out? But it was a very real fear <laughs> when my daughter got her license, Mike, because yeah. kids do that. Yeah. They, they get, they'll get their license and get in a crash that same yeah. day. So yeah. That's funny how we feel about our kids. Uh, uh, we worry about them more than we do ourselves. Yeah. Pedro used a blue point pen 
to fill in the figures for the buyer's order. Uh, the sale price on the online was $13,495. He highlighted the pre-printed dealer fees, and there was $6.50 in legitimate fees. There, there, are, there are fees that are legitimate, they're very small, battery tax. The sale price was the online price, $13,495. Now, he, he highlighted the pre-printed dealer fees in $6.50 with a yellow highlighter instead of these were standard. The fees included, here we go, $98 private tag agency fee, that's the dealer fee, $279 electronic registration filing fee, that's a dealer fee, and $995 billing and handling, that's a dealer fee, totaling $1,372 in bogus fees. Bogus. So the advertised price was $13,495. Florida law says, the Florida statute says, that you must include the dealer fees in the advertised price. Schumacher did not do that. They held out $1,372, $1,372 added to the $13,495, breaking Florida law. But almost every car dealer does that, and we're going to be uh, scoring this uh, mystery shopping report shortly, and uh, we grade on the curve. So I just want you to realize that. Isn't it terrible that all car dealers do this? Uh, after all that, I'm not fond of this term, Stu. I swallowed my bile. That's disgusting. That's kind of like, you know, you, you, you don't want to say. I swallowed my bile. And I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but oh. picture, Yes, picture. I swallowed yeah. my bile and said. I swallowed. I swallowed. That's right. I swallowed. You don't swallow your bile. That's terrible. Well, when, it, when you broke and up said, a little. Looks you... good. I'll be back tonight. Okay. Epilogue. I swallowed my acid <laughs> reflux. <laughs> Epilogue. Pedro didn't conceal the recall, but he downplayed the hell out of it. This would count as a technical fail, and we're going to bring it to a vote. Uh, let me show you uh, the vehicle bars were, because you, ver you rarely see these. Yeah. It actually we, says it right. Pur purchase yeah. order, and yeah. at the bottom it says these are the terms. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I made a note on my copy, and I said dealer fee very seldom being used. They, he used the word dealer fee nowhere in the buyer's order. And so uh, the point being all the car dealers now have known, realize the dealer fee probably uh, will take credit. I think this show, uh, our newspaper columns, our speaking engagements, we have really terrorized um, the consumers. I mean, we've alerted the consumers to the word dealer fee. So what the, have the car dealers done? They just don't name it dealer fee anymore. They changed the name. So they actually advertise now no dealer fees. We don't have any dealer fee, but we have an electronic filing fee. We have a tag agency fee. And what was the other one? Uh, the uh, miscellaneous. Uh, billing and handling. Yeah, billing and handling. Yeah. <laughs> They should billing just give and, it. Billing and handling. <laughs> you might as well just give them like people's names. Like this is yeah. Bob for nine ninety five. So there we have it. We have the Schumacher, uh, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Fiat, uh, whatever in Del Rey. We'll call it. Uh, we'll call it uh, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Del Rey. And we have to vote. Yeah, we got grades coming in. Okay.
That's right. Um, I'm waiting for Linda's, but uh, Bill gives him a D. John gives him a D. Shakir gives him an F. Mel gives him a C minus. And I'm going to be conscious of the curve. And on two, two, on the airbag thing, I'm going to say a C minus, and on the dealer fee thing, a C minus. Yeah. Curve. You understand that if we went by a strict. Uh, 100% to 0% ABCDF, we would have no car dealers uh, to offer in Florida. And so we can't do that, so we grade on the curve. We have, an, we have an F from Amy and a D from William. Uh, F and D. Okay. We've got uh, on YouTube, Wayne F, give me five bucks, D, Mark Ryan, a D minus, and myself, I'm going to go ahead with the D and say they they pass, but you got to keep your eyes open, folks. No. Yeah. Uh, Nancy Stewart, uh, did Nancy text in the grade? She did not text in the grade. Let me look at Facebook. Yeah. She's out there. No. She's usually pretty strict. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'll vote for Nancy. Nancy gives him an F minus. F minus. Okay. Um, I'm going to vote and I'm going to give them a, a D. And uh, I, I, I have to say generally that the Schumacher dealerships are cut above, and I believe most of them. Are on a recommended list. I will say this: I, I, you know, I I know Chuck Schumacher. I've known him for since he was a kid. I knew him when he worked for his father, uh, Dick Schumacher. Uh, he had the only the Buick dealership at that time on Okeechobee Boulevard. And uh, his father was an honest guy. He's an honest guy. Uh, Chuck Schumacher's grown his dealerships uh, to multiple. Uh, I don't know how many different franchises he has now, but I have to guess. Eight at least, yeah, maybe ten, and uh, so we, we have almost all those on the recommend list. I'm not going to uh, fail him. Uh, I think that his, uh, I think that his dealer fees are a little like getting out of hand. Extreme, yeah. right? Yeah, he's starting to look like a Broward County dealer now. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I think the disclosure. On the Takata airbag, again, everybody has problems there. So that's the reason we're not going to fail you. But, but do better. Try yeah. to do better. And we have the recommended list. Uh, you could go to earlstoreoncars.com, our blog, and you can go to uh, recommended dealers, and we will have a list for you. And bear in mind, it is buyer beware on the recommended list. On the do not recommend list, just Stay don't away. even go in. Because they're really bad. Because when you grade on the curve and you flunk somebody, they are really bad. Recommended list, just be careful. And do your due diligence. And get three competitive bids. And watch out for dealer fees by name of any everything name. except a dealer fee. It's like from Shakespeare. A rose by any name, any other name yeah. is still a rose. A dealer fee by a any other name. A rose is a rose. It's still a dealer and, fee. And stay away from it. And when in doubt, you can call us. And if you have a bad experience... We ask you to call us and tell us about it. That's right. How much time we got left? Like two minutes. We hey, got did, two you, minutes. did you hear that the CEO of Ram uh, resigned over this uh, sales reporting scandal? No. Yeah, so he was in line to become... And Chrysler the, Ram? Well, he was the division, the Ram division, the Ram division. Of, of Fiat Chrysler, and he was in line to actually assume the uh, the leadership of the, of the whole shebang, Fiat Chrysler, and he became a government uh, cooperator and, and got federal whistleblower protection for revealing these uh, oh. uh, like dishonest sales reporting tactics of RAM. And yeah. then, so he reported, and then he quit. You know, why? The, Ethical we, man. We have a morality crisis in this country, not just in car dealerships, but you look at uh, Wells Fargo 
and you look at some of the pharmaceutical companies, you know, when, when people are rotten and dishonest at the top, yeah. what do you expect? Well, he's, uh, this guy's an honest guy. His name's Reed Bigland, which is a great <laughs> name for the CEO of Ram, Bigland. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he, he did the right thing, and then he got out of the business. Well, you got the uh, CEO of Nissan uh, in jail. He escaped. <laughs> Yeah. Escape from jail. Right. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't believe I'm saying that. He's the on CEO a beach in Beirut right now. Yeah. He's hiding in uh, Lebanon in Beirut. Yeah. Okay, folks, I think we're at the end of the trail here. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us on Earl Sterling Cars. Uh, Nancy, I'll be picking up garlic at public on the way home because I know you're going to make me your spaghetti and meatballs. Ooh, sounds good. See you next week.